Hey y'all, this is D-Rock. This is Cam. And this is The, the Heartbeat. Heartbeat. On The Heartbeat Season 3 finale, Cam sits down with guest host Allison Beavers, also known as DJ Trouble, to interview DJ Dashcam about his history coming up in the house music scene, his influences, and what he's got coming up, as well as to chat more generally about the state of house music today. Let's take a listen. Welcome. How you doing, man? Thank you. Thank you for having me here, guys. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. So glad to have you on, Dash. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. <laughs> My name is Plum. I go by DJ Dashcam or some other hidden monikers that not out there yet. But uh, yeah, DJ Dashcam is pretty much uh, what I go by now. It used to be DJ Slav, as you guys remember, maybe from 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Good old days, but I had to change that name because of the... Trademark infringement. Exactly. Yeah, we had this competition <laughs> before. Yeah, there is another Dashcam somewhere out there in Milwaukee yeah. now, but that's okay. Have yeah. you ever been to Milwaukee? Then? No. Yeah. All right. So you're safe with us. Yes, sir. <laughs> right, let's jump right into Addison. Yeah. Thanks for joining us as well. Oh, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me over. So let's start with your passion for music. Where'd that start from? I think spinning old school rock and roll records at 45 speed in my parents' bedroom or <laughs> in my attic after my uncle moved. Uh, so USSR broke apart. A lot of our relatives like pieced out to other countries in the world, like Israel, US, whatever. So he left us with a bunch of records. All I did was sit upstairs in my attic and just play records at super fast speeds for whatever reason. So yeah, that was it. And I remember also like my first cassette tape that my dad gave me was like Tina Turner and like disco stuff, but never clicked for me. But that's what I remember, like this old school black tape that had a bunch of random disco stuff from the United States, but eventually lost it. I think music eventually clicked for me when it was like 10, 12 years old, like discovering yeah. Prodigy and like Chemical Brothers and stuff yeah. like that. So that kind of directed you in a completely different way. You know what I mean? That old school, like hardcore jungle and stuff, you know what I mean? Also start popping in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into that transition there. You say you were, you are from Europe. That's right. Belarus, technically. Belarus? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. How did that whole transition to America happen? As I mentioned, <clears throat> my uncle and a bunch of other relatives basically moved to other countries after USSR broke apart and everything. So they immigrated and little by little, everybody followed them. And I think my family was one of the last to move away because my mom still had her parents alive and everything. Mm -hmm. So she didn't want to leave them behind. But after they passed away, we were able to basically get another invite from the United States because my grandma had a brother here. So she was able to pull everything, everybody back. And uh, after a year of going through bureaucratic process, yeah. filling out a bunch of forms and going to embassy in Moscow. We finally got the clear to immigrate to the United States. So nice. How old were you then? 15, 16. So I think the process started, yeah, like 14, 15 years old. I think I got here when I was like 15 and a half. So you went to school here? Yeah. So I finished ninth grade in Belarus and then got here for sophomore year. They tried to pull me back, but it didn't make sense because like Russian education in general, like Eastern European education was a little bit more ahead of the United You're saying the smarter than all of us, is that you're saying? Okay. But yeah, they basically give you a test uh, when you move like English language test and like the placement for math and all that stuff. So without the language, it pulled me back and they were like, yeah, you, you should go to ninth grade. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. But the funny thing is I became friends basically with everybody in the ninth grade while I was in the sophomore year still. So. Oh. I fit better with a younger crowd, I guess, at that point. But uh, did you go to a uh, whole high school here in West Hartford. Oh, you know, close by. But um, 
Yeah, it's uh, the first year was tough because you're like trying to pick up the language and everything. But once you like develop a circle of friends, especially non-Russian friends, mm -hmm. it pushes your language. Right. And then on top of it, like I would go to public library, rent out a bunch of movies, yeah. <laughs> turn on the <laughs> subtitles and just read along. And whatever I didn't understand, you just stop the movie, pause the movie and translate it real quick. Yeah. So I think that helped a lot. But I think sitting down late night in front of the computer, listening to Eminem, Marshall Mathers, old me and reading <laughs> The lyric, that, I think that definitely helped a little. <laughs> you heard motherfucking floor. <laughs> like old Dr. Dre and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. bit, like, like, what is chronic? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All of that stuff. <laughs> oh, the funny thing is, uh, chronic became uh, part of my life later in coming. <laughs> But at the moment, it didn't click what the heck it was. You know? <laughs> no, but definitely helped me. I would like combination of those things definitely set up my process. So I ended up getting out of uh, ESOL English, in English as a second language class, like within like a year and a half. So it was pretty quick transition. But after that, oh. cruise, but, uh, <laughs> but another transition was like besides school and moving here, it's like finally getting a personal computer for yourself because in Russia, nobody has the yeah. money for that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, after getting that and hounding internet for music, that kind of started like expanding my horizons a lot because yeah. again, like the only stuff that I was able to listen in Belarus is like cassette tapes that you purchase somewhere. Like it's real tapes? Yeah, but they were, <laughs> they were not even real ones because people were just like ripping music from legit stuff Text. and yeah, exactly yeah. making their own stuff. So how did you get into the music scene here? So I think it started, so again, I think it's like end of high school days, I ended up, uh, Getting out to Munich a couple of times, even though I didn't know anybody, like Asylum in Springfield, I think that was the place as well. But, uh, so making those stops a couple of times, just because for the music interest, I, guess, mm -hmm. like, I was not into drugs or anything. So like I was just there to go out and listen to some good tracks. But <clears throat> eventually you start uh, meeting the right people and in, in that circle and musical friends. So helps you, helps you direct your passage of music interest. Uh, but yeah, like I think. Uh, like high school days, it was like <clears throat> a lot of trance and whatever was popular back in the oh, early no, days. So like like cheap stuff and like, oh, yes, so <laughs> happy hardcore. <laughs> I went through that phase. Oh, it was like, so it's cheesy back then. Oh, it, it still is. Where are your chain kills? Hold them out. So, how did your first weekly go about? A weekly party? I yeah. think it started. From, so I submitted my mix to Barcelona is still around. So like that restaurant yeah. in West Hartford center. So like I made my first bootleg mix, like on the Ableton, cause I couldn't mix records really and record them at the same time. Yeah, That was my issue. So I made an Ableton mix and gave it to them. They were like completely open to that. And I think that was my first gig, I think Barcelona basically for, for a year and a half, two years. And then Aaron from Shishkebab house, he was planning to open up a club at that point in time. And uh, that was basically a shish lounge, uh, right across like on Trowbrook and, uh, Farmington intersection right. there. Right. Uh, right. Gas station. That's yep. right. Yeah. He ended up basically asking me if I would be interested in being on-site DJ, basically. Like a resident, be, resident DJ. That's, it was me, Leon McIntosh, he, whom I met basically through, through Barcelona. He randomly showed up and we started talking. He was the music person, still is obviously, but like we spent, I remember yeah. first night, we talked for four hours, like till 5 a.m. after the gig, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So he came on board at the same time to Shish Lounge when they opened up. He provided the sound initially for Aaron and everything. We kind of mixed records together for a while. And what ended up happening because of my 
repertoire at that point. It was a lot of electro house and there is a lot of remixes and old school stuff. So there was a lot of European crowd that was coming out. So we ended up just getting like the night started with basically that kind of vibe, just electro house remixes and a little bit of deep house here and there to start the night. But eventually it grew up to whatever it was and you start getting other people involved in. <clears throat> but that was my like first two gigs, but Shish Lounge definitely solidified me as a DJ, even though eventually I burned out from that type of music. Oh yeah. Um, it's just popular stuff, you yeah. know what I mean? It just goes so far, at least to me, it was right. like, uh, it got boring a little bit. And after that, uh, actually during that time, also started getting involved with Dubbage Guys, uh, Mike Dichelle, oh, Tim Tarantula. That crew is amazing. Ben Wolf, uh, he lives in UK yeah. now. And basically that was in a small place, Vegas Boulevard here on Sisson Avenue. Ah, uh, um, no. That, that a, with the, hole in the wall. What's the name? Mike? Mike. Mike, yeah, Mike yeah. Brown, yeah. That's <laughs> so that was, yeah, so wow. I met those guys from going out to first like dubstep parties in New York, basically. Mm. Uh, me and my uh, good friend, Will Haynes, and uh, my cousin once in a while. Uh, like, dubstep. That was Club Love, basically after they migrated to that spot. And that was by Washington Park mm -hmm. in New York City, basically. So it was a small club in the basement mm -hmm. with one of the best sound systems. That was like a last Friday of the month. Like they always had a guest DJ from UK. And basically I would see random people from Connecticut. So that's how I met Stacy Miss Isis and Tim Torrential. I think they rolled out. Those I don't know, those two are absolute legends. That's right. Met them in line basically to go to one of those dubstep parties at Club Love for Dub War. And connected with them, Tim invited me to basically come and join them at, uh, at Dubbit. Mm -hmm. Obviously, came to support, but he was like, yeah, if you want to jump on here and there for like opening sets. And I think back in the day, even though I had a, already had a pair of turn, turntables, I was uh, still using the old school, like Hercules RMX uh, MIDI controller, like the silver ones. So how'd you go about actually getting your first set of equipment, acquiring all of your equipment? So the, the yeah, so the RMX DJ controller, I just got from internet, you know what I mean? They were still fresh, so they would use like virtual DJ software mm -hmm. and oh, they use us anymore. Yeah, I think Gabe <laughs> talked to me about that because I was asking for a friend, like what equipment should they should they start with? Yeah. As far as being a DJ. Yeah, so that was it. Yeah. A lot of people obviously would recommend like starting off with the turntables, which I already had at that point. The problem was they, they were not in working condition <laughs> and uh, you think you buy pair of techniques and you're ready to go, but then you still need a mixer, you still need cartridges and needles and you want to make sure that you have some vinyl to play on. So that was a problem, but that kind of pushed me another direction to start tinkering around turntables on top of it. So that was my first pair that I fixed up, resoldered all, all the cables that needed to be done and got them into working condition basically. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and that was again, all like at the same time as I was uh, like joining Dubbage and everything. When I started playing with the guys at Dubbage, open it up with my little controller, eventually like, I was like, why not try to use Serato DJ? Because Tim already had a rain mixer that was <clears throat> with a sound card for Serato. You just need a control vinyl and at open and said, you can just mess about and make some mistakes and eventually start clicking. And that was my transition to turntables after that. Yeah, I got myself basically a Serato box for home, got a mixer and all that stuff. Yeah. And that was it, you know what I mean? You start playing on the turntables and that's a completely different beast. Do you have a preference for how do you like to play <clears throat> or just anything? Like anything goes. So I really picking up on familiar stuff, like gear that I don't know, because like learning process is fun. I also love like playing the, the records that I'm familiar, you know what I mean? Because you... Sometimes you stumble upon like nice little surprises that very uh, tracks that are like 
you don't know, but like it's a gem that your boy has. Even they sometimes they don't know that that B side because they never played that record, the B side, and they just <laughs> randomly throw it and make the transition, and then it's amazing and it clicks. Yeah. So yeah, like I, I think that's the way that I approach it. Just uh, unfamiliar, but that adds a little bit of more interest. Yeah. <laughs> exploring around it. So from transition from local DJ to worldwide DJ, how's your family look like? Oh, I mean, outlook, how they feel about you just going out every night, playing everywhere. I'm definitely a little bit different from the rest of my fam. Like, <laughs> they're all like own buddies and everybody. Like, uh, my sister, especially, my mom, my dad, they don't go out much, you know, to, yeah. they, to stay at home and take it easy, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're not party people. Yeah, eventually they adjust. Like, they, yeah. it's not like I'm getting in trouble, not serious trouble. Not serious. Yeah. <laughs> looking for some sort of trouble. Naughty dash. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you say your musical influences would be? You're Touch a little bit on Prodigy. Prodigy. I think that was the biggest one, to be honest, because, all right, this is going to be a funny one. Prodigy became such a big obsession to me at one point, like in Belarus still, like before I moved here. I think every piece of hoodie and pants that had some sort of Prodigy logo on it. So like eventually they started calling me like Prodigy Slav. (laughs) (laughs) But basically that was it. And, but yeah, eventually, because like Prodigy is influenced by a lot of other artists, especially like they sampled a lot of like old school records, like Led Zeppelin, stuff like that, like funk records and disco records and Mm -hmm. whatever you can think of. So that basically started pointing me in other directions as well, but Prodigy definitely was the biggest influence that I had, I think, at that point in time. But afterwards, it's I don't think I have one person that I look up to, you know what I mean? Like for music, just because there are so many artists that are very original in their own ways. And it's impossible to be like, hey, I only dig this one person and that's it. You know what I mean? And you get stale as well. You get tired. But especially with internet growing so big, everything is online. There's just so many other people able to upload their music to SoundCloud or Bandcamp. And like you have access to... This artist that never released music directly through records, you know what I mean? So, so, so pose this question to both of you guys. It sounds like curiosity needs to be paramount in this business. To be curious as far as like totals out there, what's out there, what's new. Yeah, it's easy to get stale. So, right. I mean, look at the genres of music that got popular over the ages. And like I brought up, like, for example, end of 2000s, Electra yeah. House that like oh, eventually burnt out and like that crowd basically... Eventually, uh, I think in, in my eyes at least, uh, it turned in completely other direction, which is the darker side, right. which is tech house, techno. So a lot of those kids now, it's people yeah, uh, uh, transition to that. And now they listen to darker, grungier stuff, maybe. As opposed to like the early 2010s or all those kids yeah. or the big house, like yeah. OG Hardwells, which was not yeah. they were big before they right, yeah. themselves. Like ultra kiddos. Yeah, those guys exactly. are all plur. Yeah. 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 And right now, even like you look what's popular again, like going to techno and tech house, that's going to burn out as well. Obviously, it can't last yeah. forever. Like trends change, obviously. So, another thing that you notice right now, UK Garage starts popping out. Oh, yeah. uh, but, but that died yeah. out in mid 2000s because it got too poppy and like eventually, it got uh, too that's cheesy. how. Yeah, yeah. And dubstep came out of that. You right. know what I mean? So, for people that's listening, can you give us some artists as far as who's in? Both of you guys. Like the stuff that's hot now. Hot I, I'm now. the wrong person to ask because I'm still digging in 2010s, still digging. early 2010s. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that's where it's going to snap back, you know? Yeah, because like, yeah, they had also the Two Smash Mafia, so you got a big reunion tour. We're now coming back. Hardwell is back now, too, with this big tour action. Yeah, those bigger OG guys like Sunny James and Reb Cushio, those guys have been popping off like crazy. Those, like, more, like I said, 2010 guys. 
those guys, like the hot part of the fun memories of festivals when you actually did that was really I find this stuff so fascinating, like trends, <laughs> well, changing of trends. Look, for example, at Scream, right? So it started like 2003, maybe. He's actually bedroom. taller than you think. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's mad tall, yeah. yeah. He is basically. <laughs> so he... where did that come from? <laughs> 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 I put him at a festival. Oh, or, I'm like, or, or, no, and he's a cool dude. Okay, he's one of the OG. Yeah. Okay, he's an OG dude, just an awesome sweetheart. Okay, but why I brought him up because again to go back to that point that like, he started like 2003, four, and I remember Midnight Request Line, one of his big tracks that kind of put dubstep on the map, on, on the map around the world, basically, and definitely progressed. That. All trends start underground, yeah. then somebody puts them, yeah. most of them are in, like in UK, which is crazy. I, I feel like the music goes to grow up in UK and then. It comes to the United States. And yeah, gets he actually tried to do that. So <laughs> in his most recent Coachella set, he actually lost a disc. Yeah, the drive he thought he lost forever. He just played some OG dubstep, origin dubstep to the U.S. crowd. And everyone's like so blown away. Like, they did not know their response was going to be this crazy. They did not know this was awesome. So it's so cool that Scream was like, Digging that stuff back and up. And he didn't stick around to one style. And like he, he made a bunch of like dubstep tunes that were like huge, you know what I mean? A lot of his discography is humongous. But like he eventually started making techie tracks, housey tracks, everything. Mm -hmm. Where I was going with that is basically he progressed with music as it was growing up. He didn't stick around with that, that one genre because dubstep eventually trickled away and it became like big room dubstep. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way, bro step as we used to call it. Bro step. <laughs> <laughs> it started as a joke, but eventually I think it became its own thing. But anyways, <laughs> and after that trickled away, obviously music slowed down because like one uh, dubstep is like 140 and then you had juice start popping away. Oh, Funky that was like also like a thing. In not... Jersey. Oh, yeah. That's a... But uh, what I'm saying is I think the music, it's like trends, like they like, clothing right. changes but it flips back so like All 90s time. 80s 70s are coming back whatever right. so music is the same thing so if you find that circular pattern almost you can predict where it's gonna go but mm. um like you can see it's almost like a bubble you know what i mean mm. it like builds up until it pops and then new so things start popping away yep. so i feel like tech house and techno bubble is about to burst so it's mm -hmm. already bursting yeah. uk garage popping up again uh, which was a dead genre for a little bit they try yeah. to uh, people definitely made music uh, on the underground, obviously, but now it's trickling back up. But another thing I'm noticing, like jungle and drum and bass starting to get big again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you can predict it all, I think. Like stock market is right. <laughs> <laughs> now we, we could talk about this stuff forever. This, this will be another one. <laughs> it yeah, it's a rabbit hole. It's a lot. There's a lot yeah. that goes into it. So, and also, Sam, you also played a lot of shows like abroad too. So, just UK, not a lot to be honest. Uh, yeah. Obviously, would would be nice to get a lot more gigs, but uh, I'm not really like actively pursuing. Like, I never wanted to beg for gigs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I never really ask people to book me. So, if they want to book me, that means they want to hear what I want to play. Right. It's not like me coming up, hey, let me play this gig and please, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please. <laughs> Exactly. What would be the best crowd that you played? And it's first Friday house music because it like encompasses so new genre and then old school because you get people that are like in their 50s, even like 60s. And Maurice comes out, like constantly supports and he's not the only people in like from the old school crowd. But right. just to make a point, there is a lot of support from 20 year olds up to mm -hmm. our parents age, which is nice. And when you can play the music that is also old school, like you can whip out like an 80s disco edit, oh, then mix it yeah. into some 
2022 like deep house track or whatever and, and it it works and the people right. are loving it it's an amazing vibe yeah shout out to smokehouse yeah <laughs> that's right yeah first friday is yeah. first friday coming up yeah yeah so next, how's next week the best way you... actually yeah oh yeah i gotta that's play right. that too shameless promotion <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that in a second and it's funny that we, so we're doing, me and Glenn are doing an interesting kind of back to back. So, so you're bridging total. That's right. That's, yeah, that's the mystery. That's two, okay. Two mystery people there. So they announced this and it, uh, you missed it too. So it was actually, Eric Copper actually texted me. He's like, hey, I'm going to play at Smokehouse. I'm like, oh, Eric, mm-hmm. I love him. He's like, how's the crowd over there? I'm like, same thing. Oh, same thing as the Saints. He's so cute. <laughs> that's a lot of, I'm like, okay. Then of course, Glenn's for your, Actually, filling in for so I was like, Bridge and Tunnel? Who's Bridge and Tunnel? I don't Some weird bastards that yeah. nobody ever heard about. <laughs> nice, nice. I know you and Glenn are crazy like peanut butter and jelly. I love That's that. right, yeah. And we'll work together. So we gotta get him on here, please. I would love him. So, with that being said, favorite festivals? Ah, uh, it's the ones that I haven't been to. I'll mention one of them Outlook Festival in Croatia. That's probably the one that I really wanna attend. Or, oh. For the matter, any really, any of the UK festivals, they usually have the bookings that are very much interested to me. Yep. Over here, like you have, I've been, was it like Bisco? Okay. Oh, oh that, that was like, Yeah, which is a shit show every time typically, but <laughs> the, they usually have some good artists as well, obviously. I'm not into a Disco Biscuits or anything, but I go and support other people. Yeah, that happened to me my first year Bisco and that was last year Bisco. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing is my friends are like, yeah, let's go. I'm like, care for camping but it's a good crowd i'll go right. climbing up a legit mountain <laughs> <laughs> with all the camping gear made it a fun experience <laughs> yes, with that being said uh, with the festivals what genre would you say needs to have more spotlight within connecticut just in general bass music bass music like oh, not yeah. like specifically dubstep or juke ukg just in general you know what i mean a lot of the parties that you have around here they try to People try to cater to one specific genre, but mainly it's been like a lot of house music, Yeah, but definitely bass music in general, you know what I mean? Not like pigeonholing yourself into one thing. Yeah. That's definitely. It's definitely hard not to do because you feel like it's a very streamlined crowd, very main crowd. It's going to make everyone happy. Also, how do you actually read a crowd? You find that one person that digs your music and kind of. Concentrate on them if they're moving their head, nodding, you're doing something right, and eventually people will join in. That's the way I look at it. But I also sometimes try to squeeze in something uh, a little bit more experimental, maybe and interesting, and that completely kills the crowd. <laughs> that's okay. Speaking about that, it, Boogie know. Nights uh, down in New Haven was a fun jam. Oh, we did, I think it was you, me, Yeti, Glenn. That was a fun night. More disco. Ish. And then Glenn and Saul played after me, and they just started playing the most ridiculous tracks after that. And I'm like, okay, guys, all right, okay, all right. <laughs> that was a fun night. Oh, have you ever thought about actually starting your own festival too? That's your own no, night? Yeah, but too much effort. <laughs> and I'm too lazy. Yeah, exactly. I don't have time, I think. We've actually done the a couple of times. There's a lot of. Working pieces to get that thing moving. Well, yeah, and the problem usually becomes uh, it's like where you have to satisfy the owner because they want immediate like return on their money, which obviously I would love to provide or anybody that throws a party, they want that immediate response, but sometimes it doesn't happen and you want to basically almost give it some time to build up and everything, but <clears throat> sometimes it takes ages, you know what I mean? Yeah, you as a business owner, you don't want to basically sit and wait for the money to come in. Maybe yeah. the night to start up. 
and sometimes it doesn't, obviously. You don't want to alienate your crowd either. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's hard, and it's Connecticut too, because we're right in between Boston and New York that definitely have much better events, obviously. <laughs> Just the sheer size yeah. of the uh, places, you know what I mean? But I would, I would love to start a night, but again, it's a lot of effort that I could probably direct in other ways. Like yeah, so sitting yeah. Out so here's the thing, even like starting a night or a festival, how do you even pick the music? I like uh, should, like playlists? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. If you listen to like other people in YouTube, mixes, SoundCloud. So you're the person that crowd the Shazam open. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I love showing you stuff. That's why I like to play weird stuff as well on top of it. You know what I mean? Even though sometimes it scares the crowd away, but yeah. I just like pushing kind of my own boundaries like with music, but picking out the tracks, I think it would be just. You listen to a radio show, for example, Rinse FM or something like that, and you hear a tune that is like completely bonkers. Of course, you want to find it, you know right. what I mean? And of course, like most of the time, the tracks that are being played there, they're not even released. So you either have access to unreleased tracks or you be patient and uh, wait until it comes out. And then basically, if it's a new artist, you start following him and that's another avenue for you. Well, yeah. It both of you guys are DJs. I did pose that question oh, no. to you as well. <laughs> I know you had a, a drive that's full. Oh, still had that drive that full. I'm terrified. Some music that are screaming at me, looking at me. Back in, uh, uh, <laughs> you have a cloud. Back in, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Such I have drives and terabytes that are screaming at me. Right. Lolly, please sort me. I've seen, uh, I've seen her, Madison, on at Spigot sometimes. So oh, my long set. Yeah. Is it the same thing? Yeah, you just start. You actually, I just kind of dedicate. How do I dedicate a day for certain genres? Because I go down a wormhole. So into the bad wormhole where all of a sudden I'm like, I was going to look for some tech house for a gig, but then all of a sudden now I'm at crazy tech now and now I went to dubstep. I got that will put some blinders on and I can search for certain names. So play what you feel. Yeah. And then just so from there, just going down the sites I know that have really hot stuff and just stick to it. Guys, I could go on. This would be another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I find that's as well uh, interesting. So how has the nightlife shifted since the shutdown? Since last year's shutdown COVID and everything. Uh, so, like, years of hard mess done. I, I guess we started in 2020. I think so, yeah. I, yeah. That whole transition in February. We're in a time warp. <laughs> Those now. years didn't exist. That doesn't count. We're in and out last year. This year, I think uh, that refresh needed to happen. Uh, I think in Connecticut, at least, New York, obviously, in Boston, they like swing back into their own. They never actually did shut down. Fully, right? Yeah, yeah. They still had right events in New York for sure. But I think it definitely helped out certain scenes, like smaller scenes, because stuff gets stale. You know what I mean? Right. And like, and you get a lot of obviously popular places where people go out, and then they're shut down. People have nowhere to go. So that basically gives them an opportunity to check out the new night, like when things open again. So Mike Yeti started that night. A lot of people have been supporting him. Oh, such great nights out uh -huh. in Haven. Mm. So even though like first Friday was a disane, uh, transition happened, we went to, right. to support our friend. And basically that was almost like a family vibe in there, right? Right. right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes. So. For those who don't know, that's actually Smoke Public House in that's West Hartford, right. yep. Olifo Park. Park. Yep. yep. Right by Plan B, right in the Shields of Jarbar. So a little plug for all the little cool spots over there. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I think it just needed a refresh, you know what I mean? Which is good. And uh, the thing is also happened, like a lot of producers took a break. So like a lot of people, I think including myself, I gave myself a little break with house production and uh, started doing a little bit more weirder stuff 
And, and I'm not the only one, obviously. And a lot yeah. of people needed that refresh. And even though like it, for a lot of people it was like uh, depressing two years, people lost jobs oh, and everything, yeah. but it definitely, yeah. a lot of people turned their lives around as well. But mm -hmm. like uh, the point I'm trying to make, uh, I think it needed to happen almost not because uh, we didn't need pandemic to do that, but it did cause this. Yeah. It, yeah. It, was, it was a forcing of that's right. a reset. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as a producer too, you've been releasing stuff on actually Nervous Records is insane. Yeah, there's just one release. Like I've been staying quiet recently. Like I have a couple of releases uh, coming out. One with, with Jack That Records with Jason Mercer. Also amazing Baby DJ. That's and producer. And yeah. I also have a couple of releases coming through this Russian record labels that um basically ran by this guy called Igor Agonia. Mm -hmm. Oh, so he's he's um been reaching out again, but I'm sitting on like billion tracks that I haven't sent out. <laughs> that's I think that's my biggest uh problem. I would like just keep on making tunes and they're just uh, sitting yeah. collecting uh, yeah. digital dust. <laughs> yeah, so we just released some tracks together too. The amount of stuff that's just in his library is ridiculous <laughs> but it's a lot of it is garbage i'm sure you know what i mean because you stamping out tracks my biggest thing was always like try to finish every track that i start and that's still i try to be try to push for that you know what i mean yeah. but once in a while you get a tune that at least is decent so maybe send it out but sometimes it would be two years that i don't send out tracks and then i'll do a mass send out and it's going to be a year that i get four or five releases yeah which was like 2019, 2020, and then pandemic happened and nobody went out to the clubs much, you know what I mean? Because of the shutdown yeah. and yeah. even the records wouldn't pick up that many tracks because it's slow. Yeah. Like you're trying to shift them and uh, sell them on whatever beatboard and whatever track source and nothing is moving because no, most of the people that go shopping on those websites, it's yeah. the DJs, yeah. they're not playing, they're not buying any music. But as a producer as well too, how does it feel when your tracks are actually played out? How's it good? Good. good. So it's funny that you brought it up. I had the Facebook memory yesterday or Gabe, I think he's dude. I'm like, it was a Facebook post from last year. I think he was like, dude, I'm driving and I hear Roger Sanchez dropping a new track. I was I like, that. that's hilarious. Like it's awesome. <laughs> and then next week he ended up playing another one of my tracks. Uh, so that was definitely like an amazing feeling, yeah. which bumps you up. So for three weeks, you're like buzzing and you're like Absolutely. in the studio trying to crank out tunes. And <laughs> And then eventually it dies down and then you're a struggling artist again and trying to get <laughs> ideas in your head. It is. So yeah. uh, it is. just looking for inspiration. But no, it's definitely a good feeling. Eddie Mer said like when uh, he was posting like another producer, DJ around here. Producer. Yeah, he's been making a lot of good music and I think Carl Cox played out his tracks, oh. uh, which is, I, I can't even yeah. imagine that feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's huge. It's totally deserved. So, like, he's an amazing producer, but it definitely reinforces that somebody recognizes your music as at least semi-decent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that they're willing to play it out, you know what I mean? But, yeah, it definitely feeds and helps me at least go back in the studio and get inspired again. But as I said, awesome. quickly dies down, yeah. <laughs> we need more dash cam tracks. Yes. Oh, no, definitely. <laughs> it's the time for sending out a billion tracks coming up in the next month. So <laughs> I just need to, uh, like, sift through a bunch of stuff, pick out what I think is right. But again, I, I put out like a bunch of other stuff, like more of 160 plus BPM, like mm -hmm. bass music stuff. Uh, we've been making like a lot of weird stuff and, and I don't want to even put it in the, any specific genre because it's just weird. Bass. Yeah. And it definitely, Experimental. Yeah. And it definitely influenced by drum and bass, dubstep, you know, UK garage, whatever, juke, all that stuff. Like, so I try to mash it all into one and, uh, you make your own genre now. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's just music, right? Like I, again, you create a genre and like it's pigeonholing yourself and like eventually like changes anyway. So it's like, 
Yeah. It's music. Even you know, now, like, OG was a big room house. It's all called, like, main stage. Yep. So, like, every genre shifts. So, you can't. Yeah. And what is main stage in general? Is just yeah. Super poppy electronic music. It doesn't have to be, like, specifically house. It's just, yeah. yeah. Like it's a main stage music. All right. So, we always end the show with three questions that we like to ask on one good guest. Sure. First one being your favorite thing about Hartford. I would say it's the people. We well, stick together a little bit nicer than, well, even though we always have clashes, yeah. but uh, in general, people have been working together very nicely, especially after COVID again, uh, going back to that point that I mentioned, like the nice refresh that we got, it seems like the younger people are picking up the baton of music, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In a nice way and organized. So I would say <clears throat> the people are definitely the thing that sticks out in Hartford and Connecticut in general, you know what I mean? Okay. You always have bad apples, I, but in general, I think everybody's super nice. I concur on that, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that last night, just hanging out uh, with some friends, like this whole area, man. This, yeah, Hartford, it's small. Everybody it's knows each other. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like small village vibes, you know right. what I mean? Right, right. But you obviously get a little bit gossip in here and there. Generally speaking, of course, yeah. anywhere you go, right. you recognize somebody and it's a good feeling. You know what I mean? Everybody's friendless. So mm -hmm. Definitely. That would be a thing that sticks out. That's a great answer. So next question, if you could change anything within Hartford, mm -hmm. what would it be? Oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> Hartford nightlife does not exist. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling that's because just there's been so much like real estate building and everything, like every other place that was like next to a bar or restaurant, like downtown area is an apartment building now. So you can't even make anything loud. There's going to be these guys actually live above the bar. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think like that needs to uh, change a little bit. Like don't think that's like its own little bubble, but basically the Hartford nightlife that was five, six years ago, like all of a sudden, of course there were like shootings here and there that definitely didn't help. But right. I think after just in general, a lot of apartment buildings started popping up and I think that killed the vibe for everybody. And yeah. if you go downtown, it's like a desert town. Uh, yeah. It's not, yeah. especially during the weekends. It's really There's sad. two spots, three spots. Maybe people go there for dinner, but they are not going out there to go out and spend the night. So besides what's around there now, it's <clears throat> big Zai, Russian lady. Oh, uh, uh, what else? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's for college kids. Yeah. That's to go out. Kids, yeah. They're, not they're, knocking them. It is no, of course not. Yeah. They were able to survive. So they're doing something, but what the heck happened with the rest of the place? So I remember would, you do, be buzzing. would you make it more lively? Would you add? And it's hard to step club? back. From wherever it is right now. So it's definitely going to take some years to readjust. But with that being said, a lot of the nightlife migrated to smaller towns around Hartford. You know what I mean? Was Hartford is a prime example. You know what I mean? It's a less like crazy area. You can go out, have a uh, like a dinner and stay in the same place. And eventually that restaurant turns into a nightclub, like Division West or Barcelona or Shish Kebab House, whatever, you know, they're not like nights that are like i'm seeking to go to right. and uh, listen to the music it's more for cuisine yeah like a general crowd in general yeah. like i would say i would be looking for the weird bass musical or whatever mm. which we don't get here obviously but the point i'm trying to make i think is just even though harford night music is non-existent it existed around it you know what i mean you don't know you still don't have to travel far you know what i mean to right. crack, catch something but what i would change yeah probably that if we could cool down on building these apartments i think that would definitely help and i know also i think in order to open up a place like a bar restaurant club in harford mm. you almost have to be grandfathered into a place that was already a bar restaurant yeah you cannot start a new one so like 
that would definitely have to change, you know, right. I mean? yeah. to give other spaces a go. Cause there is a lot of empty buildings in Hartford that could be set up like a, as a nice nightclub or something mm -hmm. like yeah. that. You know what I mean? You see down that strip, of course, even down to Cambridge too, the nice strip in Cambridge, like you, of course, you have Phoenix land. Oh, of course, it's down in Middlesex too, where it's a nice little cocktail place. And then they clear it all out. And then you got crazy nice subgenres and music right after. So, yeah. Well, yeah, they'll they like go to spots in Boston for sure. Right. We were there yesterday, so. Yeah. So hidden gems within Hartford. What do you feel like these would be spotlighted a little bit more? Going off, not the, the music tangent, but something else that I do on the side. And I do a lot of like biking, mountain biking. Connecticut has a lot of awesome trails. So okay. if you want to that sort of thing, that definitely needs to be. All you like, do is bike, sir. And, <laughs> well, actually, I remember going hiking with this guy and he almost killed me. Yeah. Uh, he almost killed me <laughs> one <laughs> time too. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's the thing again. Don't my friends. Come with me. On purpose. No, like I. I definitely had fun, like when you guys joined me. I had like I felt it the next day. That's why we get. It was right at the beginning of COVID. I remember we were discussing how things are gonna work out, and it was kind of weird. But like, Rock's want to join you for the hike one time, feeling the pain. Yeah, no pain, no gain. But yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Of course, thank you for the invite. This was awesome. Absolute pleasure. So let's go ahead and promo yourself. Where can we find you? Obviously, come and support me on soundcloud.com forward slash DJ dash cam. I wish I remembered the link for the other one, the, the hidden music that I post, but uh, that's for later, maybe. Um, Not DJ. I support my music on iTunes, Spotify, wherever, DJ dash cam. There's still a lot of material there, but look out for the new releases coming out, as I mentioned, uh, on a couple of Russian labels. <clears throat> and uh, the one that's gonna be coming out, I think it's gonna be like half an album almost. I think it's five tracks and that's gonna be on Jason Mercer record label called Jack That Recordings. And that's gonna be in the very near future. So <clears throat> definitely keep your eye out for that. That's a little like kind of swingy Ooh, a nice uh, house theme. music, but staying in my element with that one, but that's what we need. Perfect. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you for having me guys. Thank I you, thank you. It. I can. Thanks for listening to The Heartbeat with your hosts. Hold up. Thanks, Don. We'll take it from here. So we want to take a moment and update you all before we close out this third season of The Heartbeat. It's been so much fun putting this together with you all over the last year. And we're really looking forward to what we'll have coming up in seasons four and beyond. So you've probably noticed that we've been releasing episodes on a consistent basis, or haven't been on a consistent basis these last few months. We had some unexpected but positive life changes and are still adapting to what Life 2.0 might look like. Absolutely. This is not going to end or even change the podcast that you've grown to love this past year. However, it does mean that Cam and I are going to take a bit of an extended break from recording new episodes so that when we do come back, we do so refreshed and ready to roll. We'd like to apologize to Heartbeat family, contributors, and fans alike. For the inconsistency of this last season's release schedule and for how long it took us to get all of these episodes out. We do have some really great material already recorded that will be coming out soon. We just don't have a schedule for that yet, so please follow our social media channels for updates on when you can expect that. With that, we really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Addison and Slav, as well as all of the episodes from these last reset seasons. Be sure to check out Slav's music on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, etc., and follow him and Allison on social media. Please do us a solid and head over to theheartbeatct.com to sign up for our email list 
as well as check out all the links and resources from today's show notes. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this and leave a review as well. It goes a long way towards helping people discover the show. Thank you to the Spigot Cafe, as always, for hosting us these last three seasons. To Addison Beavers for guest hosting us. The DJ Dash Camp for joining us. And to also Javon Carlo for writing our theme music. All right. And with that, that's all for this episode, folks. See you next season on The Heartbeat.